You're listening to CJSW 90.9 FM. Flying on the set. Camera speed. Sound production. Welcome, welcome everyone to Movie Night with Sif. I'm here with our artistic director, Brian Owens, and our shorts programmer, Adam. As always, I'm your host, Gabby. And today we're going to talk all things Oscars. Brian will be joining me off the top in our new segment, Film News. We'll be running you through the Academy Award nominations, the triumphs, the controversies, all of that good stuff. Brian's actually Sif's in-house Oscars oracle. He's been a huge Academy Awards buff for a long time. So he's going to give us the inside info on how these nominations work and his takes on the snubs drama. Later, we'll be chatting with Adam about this year's amazing nominated short films. We're going to talk about our favorites from each category and share everything you need to know about joining us for Oscar Shorts Weekend next week, where you can see each and every one of the year's biggest little films in theaters. Oscar nominations have been out for a while now. We were so happy to see this many SIF films nominated. We've got around 15 nominations, so it's a big win for our team for sure. It's also a big win for international cinema. This year marks the first time more than one film, not predominantly in the English language, was nominated for Best Picture. So there's three with Anatomy of a Fall, which is in French or in German, uh, Past Lives, which is in Korean, and The Zone of Interest, which is in German. So great news for international cinema. Speaking of The Zone of Interest, though, thank you so much to everyone who showed up to our premiere First Look screening in January. If you don't know, First Look is a new series that SIF has launched that puts on exclusive early screenings of the year's most anticipated films right here in Calgary. Everyone who came out to our January function got a sneak peek at the zone of interest and loved it. We sold out like twice. Truly, we cannot thank you enough for the response. If you want to avoid missing out on tickets next time for our next First Look screening, sign up for our newsletter at sifcalgary.ca slash newsletter and be the first to know when new films are announced. Uh, Without further ado, let's get into film news. Brian, hello. Hello, Gabby. So let's get into these snubs. The Oscars nomination process broadly, I do want to talk to you about that because I feel like there's a lot of things that people don't understand regarding things like cutoff dates, things like films that you might have enjoyed but would actually never seriously get considered for an Oscars. Films like Saltburn come to mind, which we'll discuss a little bit later. But actually, um, if we jump right into Best Picture, looking at these nominees, right away I noticed that there's a certain number of nominees here that was quite shocking. I'm looking at what, like 10 or something here? This is like a insane amount of movies to me. Is this normal for 10 movies to be nominated? So uh, they went to 10 a couple years ago. Um, prior to that, up until like the, well, it was the year actually that The Dark Knight didn't get nominated for Best Picture. Uh, that was the last year there was where there was only five nominees. And that had been carried through since the 40s. Uh, but because everyone was so upset that a well-made but popular film didn't get nominated, they decided to make a change to 10 nominees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they did that for a couple of years and decided that was too many. So then they said it could be anywhere from five to 10, but you had to meet a certain number of nomination votes to get it. So during those years, it fluctuated anywhere from seven to nine uh, nominees. And then they decided that was silly. Let's just go back to 10. So the last couple of years, it's been uh, 10 nominees for Best Picture. Oh, my gosh. And that was the original structure, wasn't it, back in 1929? Yeah. But when they first started, there was actually two Best Picture categories. There was Best Picture and then Best Artistic Achievement. Uh, And those had five nominees each. So they had 10. They eventually decided that was silly. And then they went to 10. And then somewhere in like the late 30s, early 40s, they switched it back to five. And it stayed five for a very long time. Right. So this two categories that they had in the beginning, um, I feel like 
one of the best artistic achievement, best pictures, maybe that's a place where you would have seen somebody like Saltburn, right, versus somebody like Anatomy of a Fall. Um, uh, or what would be the distinction between those two, do you think? Well, if you look back, Wings was the winner of best picture in the very first Oscars. And it was a very popular movie at the time as well. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans is the one that won best artistic achievement. Me personally, if you look at them today, they're both good movies, but Sunrise is far and away the superior film. So I don't know if you were looking at the 10 here, um, I think, unfortunately, this is probably what they do is they would shift the three non-English language films over to that category, likely. Right. Um, and then you'd still see something like uh, American Fiction or The Holdovers and Barbie and Oppenheimer over in the, the more popular side. But I like the 10. I think you can be our, you can you could achieve something artistically and still be popular. Um, and Absolutely. so I, I kind of like settling it on the 10 because... I mean, small things like past lives when it was five never would have made the cut. It would have just been considered too small to make it. And so I like uh, a first feature like that that's predominantly in Korean being recognized. Yeah. Past lives was one of those films that I was shocked to see in here because I didn't really hear much about it. But I knew that people who are really into film were really, really excited about past lives. What about past lives do you think put it over the edge to get this nomination? To get in that final 10, what you have to have is at least a passionate group of people who love your movie and are going to vote for it, number one, because this is ranked choice voting. Mm-hmm. Um, and enough people saw it over the summer and fell in love with it. And I think everyone should see it and fall in love with it. And that that core group was large enough that it made it across the finish line. I was not, I was not shocked actually to see it because those who saw it loved it. Yeah. Well, let's, let's run through this list here. We've got American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall. Barbie, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and The Zone of Interest. Let's talk snubs. Some people feel, let's talk first about All of Us Strangers, which is the new Paul Meskel um, film where him and Andrew Scott are kind of lovers. And um, it's a lot about parental relationships, but also growing up gay. It's, it's, it, it's the kind of emotional content you would expect to be nominated. We didn't see it in these nominations. Why do you think that is? Well, it's interesting that the, the, these 10 that were nominated, though, like that's what people have been predicting for really about the last six to eight weeks in right. the build up to Oscar nominations day. Um, a lot of people who have seen all of the strangers would say it deserves to be in that list. But I think uh, Searchlight waited too long to get the, the movie in front of people's faces. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't have the momentum that, say, Past Lives had. If I was going to compare it to a nominated film, it would be Past Lives. because right. It's a small film. It's a passionate film film. Um, and, uh, I mean, Andrew Scott and Paul Meskel are both brilliant as are, um, uh, Jamie Bell, um, and the, the, the parents, uh, Claire Foy, um, who play, um, Andrew Scott's parents in the film, which if you know their ages is going to sound weird, but, uh, it's a time travel fantasia. It's just a beautiful movie that deserved to be nominated, but this is where we get into the politics of it. If you wait too long and not enough people see it, you're not building that passionate fan base and they just didn't it didn't get built in time uh, to, to cross the finish line. So I would say, is it a snub? Yeah, but it's really a snub more on, I think, an error by the studio as opposed to the quality of the film. Due to like them not giving it too much of a chance to, to get its its hands in there. Um, I think for Best Picture, All of the Strangers is the only one that I would consider a snub. If I would add one more, I would say I would have liked to see The Iron Claw here. Of course, I'm, you know, a huge Zach Efron and Jeremy Allen White fan. And I personally thought that it was... Um, you know, it was a really moving and really poignant movie. And I, I thought everybody did a hell of a job um, with their acting performances. I thought everybody really put a lot of effort into that film. But that was one of those that, again, released super late in the year. We're talking December. So maybe it just was one of those things. They didn't give them a chance to. 
Yeah, it needed. It, it, I think that's one that needed time to build the fan base too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, let's move along to Best Actress. We've got Annette Bening nominated for Niad, Lily Gladstone, the first uh, Native American actress to be nominated. Um, we've got her for Killers of the, Cle- of the Flower Moon, Sandra Huller. Am I saying that correctly? Hula. Hula. Anatomy of a Fall, which uh, we played at SIF, obviously, to um, great fanfare. People really, really love that movie. Uh, Carrie Mulligan for Maestro and Emma Stone for Poor Things. What do we think? How do we feel looking at these nominations? Is there anyone missing? Who do we think was snubbed? And I believe you have a rule about snubs as well. <laughs> yes. And we all know who the snub is here. It's Margot Robbie uh, in Barbie. But uh, the rule is you can't complain about a snub unless you say what is going to be taken out of the list. So that's one thing that kind of bugs Perfect. me is everyone's just like, like Margot Robbie got snubbed. I'm like, tell me who you take out because you know, some you're, you're literally taking a nomination away from someone. So if you're going to complain about someone not getting nominated, you have to take that nomination away. Yes. Be bold. I love that rule. Um, I think that that's very fair, especially concerning the discourse around um, Barbie and Margot Robbie not being nominated just to kind of get through some of the comments that were made. I feel like everybody saw that post from Ryan Gosling where he was talking about um, his feelings towards both Greta and Margot being snubbed. He says, there is no Ken without Barbie and there is no Barbie movie without Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie, the two people most responsible for this history making globally celebrated film. No recognition would be possible for anyone on the film without their talent, grit and genius to say that I'm disappointed that they are not nominated in their respective categories would be an understatement. Now, mind you, Barbie did get eight other Oscar nominations. It got nominated, obviously, for Best Picture, as we mentioned, Adapted Screenplay, Supporting Actor for Ryan Gosling, Supporting Actress for America Ferreira, also a history-making nomination. Um, We've got, I think, something like 13 Latina actresses have only really been recognized, so this is really great for the Latin American community. They're nominated for Costume Design, Production Design, and, of course, Miss Billie Eilish and... um, uh, Mark Ronson nominated for two, nom- have two nominations for original song for What Was I Made For? And I believe I'm just Ken, no? Yeah, I'm just Ken. Amazing. I mean, it's it's really, um, I never would have thought, and I, I really loved it. I watched it twice in theaters. I loved Barbie so much. I went opening night in the full pink velour tracksuit. <laughs> I went really like, I really, really showed up for Barbie because it really felt like an event. Things like Barbie and Oppenheimer this year in particular stood out as like a the movies are back event. That was kind of the narrative around both of those films. However, I really did not expect to see it nominated this much because it was largely a comedy movie and historically comedy movies and the Oscars are not a match made in heaven. But I do feel the fact that the moral message of the film eventually broke through and you cannot deny the buzz that it had. Obviously, it was like the most commercially successful film um, this year. It was amazing and and the most commercially successful film for a female director, I believe, as well. Yeah, of all time. Um, So, you know, it's... It's great to see it nominated in eight other places, but I did it did sting to not see Margot in there. Now, of course, the narrative around that um, initially was outrage, um, and it still is outrage. But people did make a fair point of you know um, to your rule, Brian, of like who would you take out because you've got somebody like Lily Gladstone nominated, who's kind of making history here, um, and like Sandra Huller from Anatomy of Fall. That's like an international film, so that's also you know really important for cinema for international cinema to have that in there. Who would you take out to fit Margot in or would you take somebody out to fit Margot in? I, I have to be honest here. Um, I haven't seen Nyad yet. Okay. Uh, um, so I would, I would for now take out Annette Benning. I might change my mind after I see the movie. Um, but, but to be fair, I also feel like Netflix doesn't want us to see Nyad. Like they, they it's just, it's weird. Like, like trying to find the movie on that service. They didn't put it in theaters or barely did. Um, 
it would have been nice, especially because, I mean, the directors, Chai uh, Verlahasi and Jimmy Chin are known for their visuals. They are the, they did Miru, um, Free Solo. They make great mountain climbing documentaries. They know how to make a movie that's set in nature. And of course, this is about a, a swim. So it would have been nice to see that on the big screen. I think maybe there might've been more excitement about the movie if it actually got a chance to be seen on the big screen uh, instead of just getting tossed on the Netflix pile. Which is a shame because um, I believe this is a Netflix movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you would think that even by, because even on the streaming service, I didn't feel it, get enough, it got enough exposure. This is one of those movies that even seeing it like in any category was shocking to me because nobody was talking about it. It wasn't like past lives where I'm like, everybody that's seen it, seen it, loved it. I didn't feel a community around Nyad. I felt like it was one of those movies that we heard about before it came out as like, oh, you just wait until this comes out. And then it came out and no, just didn't, I didn't feel like it made a splash. I mean, Netflix is such a popular streaming service. You would think more people saw it, but no, I, I never saw it featured on the service at all. No, and but people love Annette Benning and they love Jodie Foster. So that's, that's, very that's fair. And I think that's why you, those are the two nominations that came out of the film. I think one other interesting trivial note, though, um, as we're talking about like a little bit of history um, with Jodie Foster um, and uh, we're going to be talking about best actor here in a little bit, but Coleman Domingo uh, and Lily Gladstone is the most uh, out LGBTQ uh, 2S plus actors Hell nominated yeah. in this single year. So wow. that's a pretty cool statistic. It's good to see we are definitely making strides. Um, I definitely hear people when they say like the noise around the Margot Robbie snub might be drowning out some of the bigger achievements that we we saw with this year's nominations. And that's definitely one of those. So while I am sad that I think um, Margot, you know, didn't really get her recognition, I do feel really proud that we're looking at a more diverse lineup this year for sure. Moving on to Best Actor, we've got Paul Giamatti from The Holdovers, Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Coleman Domingo for Rustin, Killian Murphy for, for Oppenheimer. I am shocked that this is like the very first one that I've seen from him. Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. Who do we think was snubbed, Ryan? Let's take a look. Well, if you talk to people, there's really actually probably three mm-hmm. uh, in this one. I think the biggest one was Leonardo DiCaprio for Killers of the Flower Moon. Right. Um, uh, but then also uh, Zac Efron in The Iron Claw had a passionate support and Barry Keegan in Saltburn, yeah. um, which, I mean, we can talk about Saltburn if it deserved anything else. But I do think the two where I thought it might have a chance uh, was his performance in original screenplay for Emerald Fennell. Yeah, I was really um, I was shocked to not see DiCaprio in there. The thing is, DiCaprio and the Oscars, everybody knows there's a tumultuous history going on. There's been a lot of snubs, um, not just in the nominations, but in like Leo should have won campaigns running around for a long time around the Oscars, because as we all know, you know, 2016, was it that he won for The Revenant? Yeah, but he should have won before for The Wolves of Wall Street. I would have said so. for And, sure in and so then I think The Revenant was like a like a, a makeup. It really um, did feel that way when he got it that I was like, oh, they're just giving him the Oscar because it's like the outrage is far too much at this point. Yeah. We just need to give him the award. My review of The Revenant, and I don't know if you're supposed to say that in this province, pro, uh, province is I, I wish the bear had won. <laughs> We're so sorry, Alberta. <laughs> um, moving on to best directing. We've got Justine Triet for Anatomy of a Fall. Martin Scorsese, obviously, for Killers of the Flower Moon. Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things and Jonathan Glazier for The Zone of Interest. How do we feel about these nominees here? Well, I mean, again, the snub's obvious, Greta Gerwig for Barbie, but this is the one where I'm like, I don't know what I would do. You don't know who you would swap. I, that, yeah. So that's where, that's where I have the hardest time like trying to say, like, is it a snub or is it just that there were six, I would say seven or eight really good directing efforts this year and there's only room for five? 
what I would say is if you're going to have 10 best pictures, exactly. have 10 best directors. Yes. Um, so that's how I would fix that one. Yeah. Um, it's a bummer that, uh, you know, that I would love to have seen both uh, Justine Trier and uh, Greta Gerwig nominated in the same year. They've only nominated two women directors in the same year one time. Mm-hmm. And we all know that they don't nominate enough women who make great movies. But I mean, also Celine Song for Past Lives. So yeah. if they'd gone to 10 directors, you would have had a year with at least three women being nominated for Best Director probably. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, to your point about who would I take out to sneak Greta Gerwig in, because I would put Greta Gerwig in this. Um, I would actually, people are going to hate me for this one. I would take out the zone of interest. I really would Boo. just because I know, I Boo. know it's such an unpopular opinion, <laughs> but I just feel like if we're talking about directors who really made a splash this year, like the zone of interest was one that like film people really, really loved, but Barbie was such a widely beloved movie. There's no way. And like, it's such a milestone moment for female directing. Like I would, that's why I would take out to put in. There is also, again, the argument of let's not let Greta's lack of a nomination eclipse the fact that we have Justine Triet in there um, for Anatomy of a Fall. And that is a hell of a film. And she did a hell of a job. Just the second woman to be nominated for director for a non-English language film. Absolutely. All right. Moving on to our discussion about Oscar shorts. We've got Adam in studio here. Adam is our shorts programmer. Do you want to say hi? Hey, what's up, everyone? Yeah. If you listen to the show regularly, you'll know that Adam is here a lot. Kind of my partner in crime in a lot of these. I've been here a few times. Yeah. And maybe more in the future. Who knows? Several, many times. Let's talk a little bit about Oscar shorts weekend. Just really briefly. As we said, it's the weekend of February 16th to the 18th. It's going to be at the Globe Cinema here in Calgary. Obviously, we partner a lot with the Globe Cinema. We love it there. Um, the categories are doc as in documentary live action and animation those are the three um, categories that we will be screening and I believe each category gets two no and then there's like a best of or something (laughs) two shows of each two shows of each okay perfect then we have the tickets and the individual tickets and the bundle options the bundle option is really really popular this year 40 bucks and you get a chance to watch the live action the animated and documentary shorts once each um, so you get to go to each of those screenings and see everything and be fully, fully prepared for your Oscars uh, viewing night. If you like us, enjoy uh, pulling together little parties. Uh, you also can get individual tickets if you're really only interested in seeing one of these categories. We're going to run through and um, talk about some of the ones that we think you need to see. So maybe you can make a nice informed decision. So you can get your bundles or your individual tickets at sifcalgary.ca. That's C-I-F-F calgary.ca. So check those out and see if you want to pick some up and join us on Oscar Shorts Weekend. We'd be happy to see you there. Um, let's kick it off with short with doc shorts, shall we? Sure. Let's talk about it. Um, first off, you watched a lot of these great critically acclaimed short films this year. Looking at these nominations, do you feel that these have been captured well? Like the nominees across not just docs, but kind of all these categories. Yeah, it's it's a tough thing because um, as a shorts programmer, you watch so many shorts. Yeah. Like I probably watch over twelve hundred shorts a year. And then narrowing them down to the ones for the festival and whatnot. Like you see so much. Um, So it's really hard to say whether like there's just so many great films out there that it's really hard to say whether it captures really the best. Mm -hmm. But the ones that are nominated are all really strong and really good films. Um, And if we're talking about doc shorts here, uh, there were actually a couple that um, were screened at SIF, which is really cool. Yes. Um, And that's always a really, really uh, exciting moment when a film that you really loved as a programmer. You brought it to the festival. Maybe the filmmakers came. Maybe they didn't this time, but maybe they would mm-hmm. um, in the future. Um, and then audi- you get to, a chance to show these films to audience, say, this is a really cool film. I hope you like it now in September. And then come January, it's like, oh, that gets nominated for an Oscar. Come March, maybe it wins the Oscar. And you were able to see that 
well in advance. Um, it is pretty exciting to see kind of like a rise to stardom a little bit with a film, uh, especially in shorts, because that's where it is kind of like rising stars usually are, are coming out like the filmmakers of tomorrow. Yeah. I do want to talk a little bit about the role in, of film festivals and getting shorts nominated for Oscars or putting them in the eligibility pool. How does that work? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, there's two ways to get your film eligible, your short film eligible. Um, you can have your film screened in, I think it's New York and L.A. Um, you have to have them in like for a full weekend or a full week um, in, in two cities. Um, so there's there are opportunities to to pay. So you would pay a cinema to screen your short film in a package. And that's one way to get into into um Oscar eligibility. Mm -hmm. um, the other way is to win an Oscar qualifying film festival. Yeah. And so there's about 200 film festivals worldwide, uh, the Calgary International Film Festival being one of them, that if your film gets into the festival and then um, is awarded the jury prize best short film, then they get a letter from the film festival that they can then submit to the Oscars for eligibility to be nominated. Yeah. Absolutely. I love the fact that we can do that for people. By the way, our submissions are open. If you have a short film that you're hoping to throw in the running, who knows? You could win something. You and, could be uh, nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, yeah. You could absolutely be thrown in that pool. Speaking of Oscar um, nominees, as you all know, we started this podcast um, interviewing then Oscar nominee, now Oscar winner, Ben Proudfoot of Breakwater mm -hmm. Studios for his film, The Queen of Basketball. We're thrilled to see that um, Breakwater's film, The Last Repair Shop, is nominated this year. And um, obviously that film was directed by Ben Proudfoot and... Chris Bowers. And Mr. Chris Bowers, who is actually going to join us next month, just a couple of days before the Oscars, to talk about um, this film and what it was like making it. So really exciting. You guys, I'm really looking forward to that episode. Make sure to tune in next month to get insight into what it really takes to make a Oscar-nominated short. I mean, they've done it twice, so they must be experts at it now. Yeah, they... they so Ben's been nominated three times now. Wow. Um and uh, Chris and Ben have been nominated twice together. My God. So Queen of Basketball was just Ben. Ben's um, directing. But uh, they were nominated for um, uh, Concerto as a Conversation. Yes, yes, The year yes. before. And so we didn't screen that at SIF, but we did screen it as a part of Oscar Shorts that year. So we have screened all three of um, the Breakwater Oscar-nominated shorts yeah. through SIF. So. We just love them. They're absolutely, yeah. they're just incredible. I um took another look at the last repair shop last night and it was just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. But I guess that's Adam's pick for his fave from the doc short. So we'll let him talk about it and we'll talk obviously more about it in next month's episode. My fave that I really, um, I really enjoyed watching was uh, Island in Between. As somebody who um, knows a little something about being caught between two identities, two separate places, I think the director did a really, really amazing job of capturing that feeling of like, belonging to many different places and having many different places to call home and how that can feel like you're it's tearing an individual apart and not just an individual but how the sort of um entire island is like feels that way and it's kind of raised to feel that way i was mm -hmm. really um you know if we're gonna i'm gonna read off a quote here that um the filmmaker and director it is kind of autobiographical like it is mm -hmm. told from his perspective so um it's s leo chung and he says, Taiwanese voices are often drowned out by Chinese and American narratives, overshadowed by the global power plays going on around us. Few people outside the region understand what life is actually like for the Taiwanese people caught in between two superpowers. I made this documentary to show that life in Taiwan through the eyes of the people who live here, including me. Um, yeah. So that kind of also gives you a rundown of what the film is about. It's about kind of the struggle of Taiwan between um, 
sort of Chinese authority and Taiwanese authority. Um, I really, really like that. I thought that he captured that feeling really well. And I thought he made really good use of his time as well. Like it's like what, like 20 something minutes and it's, you know, yeah, it's, it's probably one of the shorter ones. I think it's only 17 minutes. Yeah. Um, doc shorts tend to be quite long. Yes. Um, so a short can be anything under 40 minutes, technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a festival, sometimes it's really hard to program like those 30, 35, 39 minute shorts. Um, so you have to be pretty selective when it comes to those ones. But then when it comes to Oscar time, it's almost always those 35, 39 yes. minute shorts that are the ones because I, I, I mean, you can show off a lot more of of a subject, especially with documentary in a 30 minute package. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think um, they did really good use of their time on Island in Between. Yeah. Uh, it is that sort of like collective identity struggle that's really interesting through the eyes of one person, but through the eyes of many. Absolutely. So wonderful. I really, really loved it. I recommend that one for sure. I believe you, the one that really stood out to you was The After. Yeah. Um, the After is a, a UK short film. Mm-hmm. Um, it was produced through Netflix. It's a really tough film. It's short, it's short, like it's under 20 minutes. Um, so it breezes by pretty quick, but it, it is a pretty tough film. It's about a guy whose life is basically ruined in in a in the snap of a finger. Yeah. Um, something very tragic happens. I, I don't want to mention what what it is. No spoilers. I'll let you watch it for yourself. Um, but something um very, very tragic happens to him and his life is completely upended. Uh, very quickly and right at the beginning of the movie. And then the rest of the film is him kind of trying to pick the pieces up back together. Uh, and and he's driving for Uber or whatever he's doing, like car service, um, and just trying to figure his life out while reading the room of like the passengers that kind of come through his life. And it's just like, it's acted so beautifully. It's really tough. It's really, again, about grief um, as Knights of Fortune is. Um, but it's just really beautifully made and and a fantastic film. I could not believe what I was watching with Knights of Fortune. That's another one that you're able to see um, online right now. If you can um, come see it at the screening so you can uh, see it in the context of all of these other amazing films. But I was like, it reminded me of some of for those of you who don't know or didn't listen to our programming episode. I started at SIF um, interning and in my internship term, I kind of um, I watched a whole bunch of shorts. I worked under Adam and together, I think I watched like. 200 or something like it was a a crazy amount of shorts and I was very taken back to that time because this was one of those international shorts that has that like super dark um like grieving but also comedy like a dark humor vibe that I really really loved in a lot of the films that I saw in 2021 yeah um I believe it's Danish, this film. It's So it's very Danish. Yeah. When, yeah, when you're talking about like the dark humor, it's like yeah. that's a very Danish And I noticed that being a theme throughout their, throughout their films. I really love that about them. Um, just put some, it takes the, it, you still get the, the significance of how difficult it is to grieve. Mm-hmm. But, and you're not like smiling through it. It's more of like an exhale through the nose kind of laughter. Mm-hmm. But it just makes it feel like something that like, Oh, people go through this all right and they come out alive. Like even when the worst, what you believe the worst thing in the world is happens, there's always people there who can go through that with you. And there's always light to be found and humor to be found in that. I'm also a sucker when two old men kind of find emotional vulnerability. That is such a Mm -hmm. like I love that trope so much. Um, In this film, it's obviously it's a film about a man who loses his uh, wife and he sort of shows up in this very sterile hospital environment to say his last goodbyes and she's sitting in a room in a coffin and the doctor kind of guides him in there to like 
hey, do you want to like say goodbye to your wife? And he cannot bring himself to take mm-hmm. a look. He sort of runs off to the bathroom to have a mental breakdown. And that's when he bumps into this other grieving man who, um, you know, we later found out there, there's a twist that involves him later. That is it's it's really um, I found it so funny and kind of cringe inducing, but it distracts you from the horribleness of the situation. Um, but sort of both of them partner up to kind of go through their grief together. And uh, it's really beautiful. It's like a grief doula. Yes. <laughs> like getting you through the process, like helping you, guiding you through this process. Exactly. Moving on to our animation shorts faves. Now, this is a unique category for me in that I actually haven't had a chance to see any of them. So I this is another one that I'm going to be front row at the screening, absolutely taking all of these in. The trailer that I was most excited by and the film that I've heard really good things about um, is 95 Senses. Mm-hmm. I was really drawn to the fact that this is six different animation teams, six different animation styles. We're talking about a story that is um, about a man who's on death row. So I really love the idea of developing sympathy for people in these situations or like getting to see another side. Because normally um, you don't really, anywhere outside of film, you don't really get to see the, the that angle to a situation like this where you're like, I'm going to try and understand this person fundamentally. It reminds me a little bit of um, that short film we had. I think it was in 2021. It was The Last Meal where it was like mm-hmm. the list of a short about of all of the requested last yeah, meals yeah. for prisoners. And it was kind of a castigation of the death penalty and that kind of business. Um, I thought it was a really exciting look at that kind of issue without um, maybe the heaviness of maybe what it would have been like if it was a doc short or something. So visually really engaging. The subject matter to me is really exciting. Mm-hmm. I think that's my pick as well. 95 Senses. I always want to highlight something that we screened at the festival. Absolutely. Um, and and uh, Brian is the actually the animation shorts programmer. So he can speak to this in a little a little bit. But um, I think um, 95 Senses is feature filmmakers coming back and doing short film. Mm-hmm. But they're not like household names. Right. Right. Jared and Drew Shahes, um, they did Napoleon Dynamite, Nacho Libre, um, and so they they have what a jump from those films. I know, and, but they have films that like you know, but I don't think most people know their names, right? right? right. They don't have those household names that like a Wes Anderson or a Pedro Almodovar might have. Mm-hmm. So them coming back and saying we want to shake things up and we want to experiment a little bit and and tell a story in a different way and showcase something a different way, um, I think is exciting, and and I hope Ninety Five Senses wins the award this year. I would be really excited if it did. Um, it, as you mentioned, Gabby, the visuals are just stunning. Um, and to, uh, but it's interestingly cohesive because you are working with six different animation yeah. teams. And so you have these six different looks, but it plays into the story, which is about the five senses. So um, it's a beautiful short. Um, Tim Blake Nelson uh, is the voice actor uh, and he's just fantastic as well. I think I would not be surprised to see it win. Um, given the set of nominees that came through. Yeah, really excited about 95 Senses. Can't wait to see it um, do great things. We're glad to have screened it at SIF. Obviously, really honored to see one of our films nominated, as always. Um, those are the shorts, y'all. Did you feel we missed any that we might want to talk about? I feel like I, I'm just pumped to go to these screenings now. Yeah, I mean, they're all great. Um, and, and it's really exciting to see them in the cinema and see them all together at once um, and then get you ready for your Oscar pool. Uh, we didn't mention the Barber of Little Rock. The Barber of Little Rock is yeah. fantastic in the Doc Short package. Um, really, really beautiful story. But yeah, come and see all 15 films. Like it's it's a great couple a couple days, a great weekend to catch, yeah. catch some short films. And again, I always say it about short screenings. And we talked about it in shorts packages when we did our pre-SIF programmers episode. 
Nothing better than watching a collection of shorts back to back in theaters. It is, you know, if you're one of those people that has been a has been victimized by the short form video format and now has the world's shortest attention span. Um, this is one of those things where you get a new story every, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes and you're just uh, constantly on your toes. You walk out of that theater having learned so much about the world around you and so much about so many different people. Really um, exciting, exciting shorts program this year. So again, if you want to get tickets or you want to get an all access pass and get yourself fully um, familiarized with what is going to be nom- with what has been nominated, uh, you can get tickets to our Oscar Shorts Weekend, which is actually, you know, backed by a popular demand. People love, love, love Oscar Shorts Weekend. Mm-hmm. $17 for an individ- individual ticket to watch all of the doc shorts or the live action or the animation. Or you can catch a screening of each of those categories when you get our All Access Pass for just 40 bucks. That's ciffcalgary.ca. All right, it is now time for games. That's one thing that will never change about this podcast. Don't we love games, guys? Love games. We're big fans of our games. Obviously, the recurring game that everybody loves so much, One Star Reviews, is back. Uh, The category this month, Best of 2023. Are y'all ready? I put these reviews together as y'all haven't had a chance to take a look at them. Right? Yeah. Yep. No peeking? All right. Perfect. Let's get through them. There's three of them. These are just my opinion for what the best of 2023 is, but I feel like it's it's shared by the broader public. Number one, how am I supposed to respect quote-unquote French people when their court system is so foolish? Prosecutors can just say things like, this woman is bisexual, so that means she knows all, all she knows is eat hot chip, kill husband, plunder book, and lie. And then the jury just like takes you seriously. <laughs> foolish country. <laughs> I like how it was kind of a Russian accent. You know what? I have many talents. I'm not sure accenting is one of them. So I'm so okay. sorry about my impression, French people. Um, in fairness, I feel it's more offensive that they're coming after your court system. Je parle un peu de français. Should have had you read the review. Anatomy of a Fall. Anatomy of a Fall. Okay, Adam, you want to lock that guess in? Correct. It is, in fact, Anatomy of a Fall. Proud, proud Sif film over here. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously a court drama, which if you haven't seen, go see it. What are you doing? Come on now. Um, Let's move on to review number two. This one's a little bit risque, but in fairness, so is the entirety of this film. It's brief. It's very brief. It just says, fellas, is it gay to fuck your homie's grave? (laughs) Question for the public, question for the chat. Which film are we talking about here, boys? It's Saltburn. Saltburn. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Saltburn. I'm your biggest fan. I'm Barry Cogan. I'm, I'm your biggest fan. Um, Jake Valorde, you won me over. I watched you and Priscilla. I was like, okay, like, fine, whatever. I don't care about you. You and Saltburn? <laughs> there was also another review for Saltburn that really made me laugh. That was like, this is just a movie about how Jacob Valorde is so hot. Like, the level of his hotness is enough to make somebody go clinically insane. <laughs> um, which, yes, absolutely. Um, let's move on to review number three. We've got... Paul Mescal always at the scene of the crime in one of the saddest movies you've ever seen in your life. It's probably All of Us Strangers. It's All of Us Strangers. I it's absolutely it yeah. All of Us Strangers. Well, you guys absolutely nailed this category. You got three for three. I mean, you're the film people, so it would be very embarrassing if you didn't get three. <laughs> it would be. Um, Paul Mescal always at the scene of the crime. That reminds me of um, the Barry Cohen discourse that was like, uh, hey, uh, Barry Cohen always playing a little freak. <laughs> Always True. playing a little freak. You got killing of a sacred deer, and then you've got Saltburn, and just adding to the little freak multiverse. So, and Paul Mescal, like in 2022, like I dehydrated me with, with tears for After Sun, and then did it to me again in 2023 with all of us strangers. So, always at the scene of the crime. <laughs> also, normal people, which technically not a movie, but you know, still um, very, very emotional watch for sure. 
Guys, that's all the games. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, we got it. our Oscar short screening coming up. We've got um, the Oscars coming up as well. We've got that interview with Chris Bowers. It's going to be really exciting. I'm super, super looking forward to all the stuff that SIF is going to have going on in these next few months. And um, I can't, I can't wait. Uh, Brian, I know that we can't really reveal what our next pick is for First Look Films. But do you want to talk a little bit about that series that just launched? Yeah, it opened with Zone of Interest and we got the Oscar shorts this month. Uh, we do have a screening. It'll be on March 25th. We'll be announcing it March 6th. So uh, uh, make sure to come to the website and subscribe to our newsletter and you'll be the first to know what it is. Exactly, exactly. Keep an eye out. It's calgary.ca slash newsletter if you want to sign up. Um, keep an eye out for our next pick for First Looks because I am personally very, very excited about it. Thank you both so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks, Gabby. All right. Thank you guys for listening to Movie Night with Sif. I promise we've got great stuff coming up. We've made some changes to the format of the podcast that I think are going to be fantastic for us going forward. So thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon. Bye. Okay. That's a wrap. 